0: 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, and is on page 1219 of your Bibles. 1 Peter, chapter 3, reading verses 1 to 7. Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over, without words, but by the behaviour of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, you love your bride, your church. You gave yourself up to death for us to make us holy and clean, radiant and blameless. Move us, Lord, to submit gladly to you, our head, in everything your word commands. Teach us how to live faithfully and so to make your teaching attractive to our neighbors. We ask it to your Father's glory. Amen. I'll do keep your Bibles open to 1 Peter 3, uh, the passage Helen just read for us, 1 Peter 3, verses 1 uh, to 7. Uh, if you were here last week, then you may remember that the passage we uh, looked at then uh, seemed to be getting us onto uh, fairly dangerous territory. Uh, Peter was teaching us about uh, Christian submission, uh, submission uh, as subjects to the government and to uh, all human authorities that God has instituted, uh, submission as servants, uh, and we were thinking about the application of that to contemporary experience uh, in the workplace Well, it was nothing compared to what he's saying this evening. Uh, To the non-Christian way of thinking, he's about to become uh, more unpopular by spades. Uh, Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Uh, He goes on to urge Christian wives to imitate Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. Uh, And even when he passes on to instructing Christian husbands, uh, I guess many people would catch their breath. Uh, with his command to tr- for men to treat their wives with respect as the weaker partner. Uh, I'm going after this service uh, down to crossover to uh, lead a Bible study on Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. And uh, I did feel a little bit that way uh, in preparing this passage to preach to you in the service beforehand. Uh, and before we look at the passage together, uh, just a couple of things by way of introduction the first thing to say is that like all the Bible's teaching on marriage, it addresses us across a whole range of conditions and experiences. Some of us here have never married. Perhaps some of those hope that one day they will do so. Others really have come to realize it's never going to be for them. Some of us who are here will have been once married and now we're widowed or divorced. And some of us are married and still married. So there's a whole range uh, of uh, situations in life uh, that God's word addresses us in this evening. And my job as a preacher is to expound what is here uh, in God's word, which tonight addresses the married. So if you are married, well then uh, the application is pretty direct and unmistakable. We need to listen up. But if we're not married, uh, for whatever reason uh, that is, then can I suggest you take the time to listen to this uh, Bible teaching about marriage uh, and use it to pray for those you know who are married or to lift to the Lord your own situation, maybe your own hopes and fears, maybe your own pain and longing uh, as this whole question of marriage uh, is raised. Uh, And indeed, it's not just among those who are not married uh, that those range of emotions will be there. Uh, for those who are married, there will uh, likewise uh, be perhaps uh, guilt and fear uh, as well as hope and expectation uh, of growth in the Lord's grace in uh, marriages. Uh, God's word always uh, has something to say to us, uh, but sometimes it comes in directly, as it were, front and center. Uh, sometimes it comes in as something uh, of a tangent Let's together help one another to hear what God is saying to us this evening, whatever our own situation is. We need that help to apply his word. That's the first thing. The second is uh, to say that I have no intention of trying to rescue Peter from his words or to apologize for them. The apostles of Christ were commissioned and anointed by the Lord Jesus to bring his words And just as in his own earthly ministry, uh, Jesus' words often cut across our prevailing culture. They cut across our religious expectations. Uh, They cut through our personal defenses. And they reveal uh, very often to us uh, just how far in our own hearts and minds we are from God's will and ways. Uh, Do we not like what Peter is saying here? And our problem is not with Peter, but with Christ, in whose name he speaks and by whose authority uh, he brings this word to us. Is there judgment to be made? Yes, there is. But it's not us in judgment of God's word, but rather always God's word in judgment uh, upon us. Uh, And uh, having judged us, revealing to us and drawing us uh, to know his grace and mercy uh, afresh. Uh, That's uh, a relationship, therefore, that we invert uh, at our peril. And there's always a temptation to do that when we come across these kinds of passages uh, that just seem uh, to be so flying in the face uh, of everything that our contemporary society and maybe even our own inner instincts uh, would be saying to us uh, must be right. But it's especially important uh, in the context of this letter and where we're up to in it. Uh, Peter has just been teaching that Our basic mindset as Christians is to be a submissive one. We should be submissive to Jesus Christ, for he's our Lord. And we're to be submissive like Jesus was and is to his own father. For as he becomes more and we become less, we discover paradoxically uh, that in submission to him, there is freedom and there is life and the glory goes him, So does uh, the concept of submission offend us? Well, then our problem may be deeper because submission uh, is the very essence of faith in Jesus and what living out that faith looks like across a whole range of experiences uh, and relationships uh, in the world. So with those uh, couple of introductory comments out of the way, let's come to 1 Peter 3. Uh, the passage divides naturally, uh, if unequally, into two sections, verses 1 to 6, where Peter uh, addresses Christian wives, uh, and verse 7, a solitary verse uh, in his instruction to Christian husbands. Uh, But to take up the language he uses here, uh, he is teaching how wives may be beautiful and husbands may be considerate. And I think when we uh, Realise that that's the uh, the language uh, he's using. Uh, perhaps we'll come to this uh, passage uh, slightly more optimistically. What could a man want more than a radiantly beautiful wife? What could a woman want more than a considerate, uh, devoted, uh, gentle husband? That's what Peter is talking about here, and we need to look carefully to hear what uh, he is saying. Let's begin as Peter does then with uh, wives, verses one to six. Uh, And Peter is continuing his argument here. Uh, Just as all Christians are to be submissive to the government, uh, and as Christian servants are to be submissive to their masters, so now chapter 3, verse 1, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Uh, Now Peter really does mean this. Uh, He's not just using a phrase for the sake of it. Uh, he's teaching that Christian wives uh, are, should be willing to submit to their husband's authority or leadership in marriage. Now, the trouble is we hear that, uh, and we hear it against the background uh, of our own cultural context, and what we think Peter is saying is that men are better or more important or more spiritual or have a higher status than their wives. But remember what he's just been teaching Back in chapter 2, verse 13, uh, he said that all Christians are to submit to the governing authorities. And in his day, as we thought last week, uh, the governing authority was the pagan emperor Nero. He doesn't for a moment think that Nero is more spiritual uh, than the Christians to whom he is writing. And he would say the same uh, were he addressing uh, our context today. The prime minister doesn't have a higher status in the Lord's sight than an ordinary Christian. But obedience to God's word and God's ordering of our world means that we're to be submissive to those God has put in authority over us. Or again, the servants uh, that should submit to the authority of their masters. Chapter 2, verse 18. Does that mean that God thinks more highly of a vindictive boss than a godly worker? Well, of course he doesn't. It simply means that the path of godliness is the path of willing submission. It's not a question of status, uh, but rather uh, one of role. And we see that most clearly uh, when we look at the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, In learning costly submission, Peter says, uh, back in 221, uh, we look to Jesus. The Bible tells us everywhere, uh, as it reveals Christ to us, that he always was submissive to his own father's authority. He always sought to obey his father's word and do his will. It's particularly clear throughout John's Gospel, and of course, it's brought to a climax there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. And so here is Jesus, the obedient, submissive Son, and yet equally clear throughout the Scriptures is the equality of the Son of God to God the Father. Anyone who has seen me, Jesus said, has seen the Father. He's God in the flesh, in status. If we put it in that language, the son is equal to the father, and yet the son chooses at every stage to submit himself to his father's authority. So if being submissive means being inferior, well, then we're into heresy because we're saying that the son, therefore, is inferior to the father. The Bible insists that we cannot draw that conclusion. The father and the son are equal even as the son submits to the father, The wife is equal to her husband Uh, if they are both Christians. They are both equally uh, a son and daughter of the Lord with the full range uh, of spiritual blessings. And yet the calling upon the wife is to submit to the husband's authority. I think Peter is quite plain in that. And yet look at what Peter doesn't say. He doesn't command husbands to see that their wives obey them. And that's important. Uh, his command uh, is to the uh, the Christian married woman to make a free choice out of loyalty to the Lord Jesus to choose to submit herself to her husband. That's an important difference, isn't it? This is not men uh, being given license to compel obedience. This is wives being told out of love for the Lord, this is the path he has set for you. Just as Jesus willingly chooses to submit to his father's will, So the Christian woman uh, in marriage uh, is to willingly submit to her husband's will. The husband is nowhere here or anywhere else in Scripture told he has a right to enforce obedience or compliance. Well, now, Peter says this submission has a particular purpose. Uh, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, and they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Uh, It's always been the case uh, through church history that more women have been converted uh, and then there's the issue of what do we do with the husband? Uh, And here Peter's addressing that situation uh, directly, Uh, teaching to all Christian wives, uh, but bringing into view uh, the context where the wife is a Christian and the husband is not. What is the wife to do uh, in that situation? Well, Peter says, uh, actually, he's more likely to be won over by the difference he sees in you uh, than you're taking every opportunity to preach at him. And I remember uh, talking a few years ago to a dear sister in Christ in another church who was explaining what had gone on in her own marriage. And she was saying that she'd gone through, having become a Christian, a time when she'd put tracts everywhere around the house, so that when her husband went for breakfast or went into the bathroom, there was something for him to read. Every conversation she turned around to talk about the Lord Jesus. And she came to read this passage and realized that actually that was unlikely to be helpful. It was just going to provoke uh, him, as indeed it had done uh, until that point. And so she'd, uh, in reading these words, uh, found great liberty. And actually, uh, it was simply following Christ quietly, sincerely, uh, and answering uh, his questions when they came that was actually likely to be more profitable, as indeed it was, uh, by God's grace, in that marriage Uh, And Peter here uh, would say to us, I think, that's not just due to stubborn male pride, although I dare say that plays a significant part, uh, but rather that there is an order that God has set in our homes where the husband is the head, uh, and so if a wife's evangelism is to be effective, well, then she must model godly submission to him as far as she can while being loyal to Christ. Well, then her life will speak silently and powerfully to her husband. Well, I'm sure that what Peter says here about winning a husband without words could equally be applied to those many other unequal relationships we're in as well. Christian children who long for their parents to be converted to Christ or grandparents to come to Jesus. Christian employees who long for their bosses to be converted. When we're in the, uh, the unequal relationship like that, Often we need to apply this teaching there as well. The behavior uh, that we exhibit uh, can itself be the message and then the opportunity may come as the questions are asked and we're able to share the reason for the hope that we have. Oh, Peter here says there's a particular application for the wife of a non-Christian husband uh, but that's only one application. Uh, The submission of a wife to her husband is always right. It's not merely pragmatic uh, evangelistically. It's always honoring to the Lord uh, who has made us to be complimentary uh, in this way. Uh, for the Christian uh, couple, uh, a wife's behavior like this will also encourage uh, her husband. Uh, he will see the Spirit powerfully at work in your life. If he's not yet a believer, that may win him over. If he is a believer, well, then that same attitude will be a great encouragement to your husband's faith and a great incentive for him to take his role uh, rightly as well what does it look like Uh, well it is beautiful verse 3 your beauty Peter says and there's a negative thing first but his emphasis is on the positive your beauty should not come from outward adornment uh, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry uh, and fine clothes instead It should be that of your inner spirit, your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. That inner person of the heart is the phrase Peter uses literally. That's the place to invest. The hair will gray, the body will wrinkle, fashions will last a moment. But that inner self is something that can be truly beautiful. Peter says to these Christian wives, uh, to your husbands and to God. For what is beautiful to him uh, is a gentle and quiet spirit. And already, again, uh, if they've even gone down for a moment, uh, that feminist hackles may rise at that phrase. But as Christians, do you hear the echo of Jesus' own words? Jesus said in those famous words in Matthew 11, I am gentle and humble in heart, almost using exactly the same words of himself, as here Peter commends for that spiritual goal for the Christian wife. It's just being like Jesus that Peter is saying is in the end the goal for Christian wives. That submissive spirit to the Lord that is expressed in marriage. uh, The gentle and quiet spirit uh, that is like the Lord Jesus himself uh, is that which pleases our Father. Uh, And submission, uh, in practice, it takes the sting out of angry confrontation. It affirms the leadership of your husband within the limits of obedience to Christ. It includes a willingness to follow him uh, even when you don't agree. Of course it does, Uh, but it's far more than that as well. It is a beautiful thing to imitate christ in all your relationships but here in that most intimate scene within marriage peter gives an example next for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in god used to make themselves beautiful they were submissive to their own husbands uh, like sarah who obeyed abraham that's the picture in case you hadn't worked it out uh, and called him her master you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear for a wife to be submissive to her husband has always been beautiful uh, in God's sight Peter says that was true 2000 years before his words were written in the lifetime of Abraham and Sarah it's true in the 2000 years since Christ came as well if we put our hope in God this is the way we are to live Uh, And this earthing, though, uh, of the example of Abraham and Sarah uh, begins to bring things a little bit down to earth. If we actually read what Abraham and Sarah's marriage was like, uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, Don't uh, do it now, but if you want to read from Genesis 12 and following, uh, you'll discover uh, that Abraham and Sarah are clearly presented to us uh, as a husband and wife who both are full of sin. Uh, Sin in their own walk with God, sin in their marriage as well. Uh, They clearly could have benefited from coming uh, on the marriage course that we're running at the moment at St. John's. Genesis doesn't spare us uh, from Abraham's weakness, his besetting sin, uh, his selfishness, his cowardly behavior, uh, sometimes his uh, deeply inconsiderate behavior towards his wife. Nor does it spare us Sarah's cynicism and selfish and sometimes unbelieving, certainly unsubmissive to the Lord's will in her desire to get things done her own way. It is interesting that Abraham and Sarah are mentioned here because when we read of what their marriage was like, actually they demonstrated, as would all of us, a great need of God's grace to help us, to forgive us for what is past and to help us to even begin to live this way now but we see again in that story of Abraham and Sarah, uh, repeatedly the gracious hand of God forgiving and redeeming and renewing. We see two believers uh, striving to grow in godliness, stumbling along the way. Uh, but as they seek to honor the Lord in their marriage, in spite of their sinfulness, so we see the Lord's continued faithfulness to them. So if you're in a marriage uh, where your husband uh, won't fulfill his responsibilities, Keep on encouraging him. Abraham uh, was still getting it wrong when he was a 100. Uh, hopefully, some of us might have made some progress uh, before we get to the centenary. Likewise, as a wife, uh, if you struggle to be submissive, don't give up. Uh, find in Sarah uh, one who can be your companion along the way, discovering the fresh grace of the Lord uh, and living for God's glory in your marriage. We will find these things hard. Hard because of the culture, hard because of sin, uh, and you yet are her daughters, uh, Peter says, uh, to these Christian wives. You're the daughters of Sarah, uh, the daughters of the great patriarch, uh, the one who believed uh, and who is there as an example for us, a trophy of grace. You're her daughters, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Uh, Maybe that fear is generated by an ungodly husband. Maybe it's a fear generated uh, by wondering what our friends will think uh, if we start to live this way that is so completely counterintuitive and countercultural. So many fears uh, are there in our most intimate of relationships. Don't give way to fear, Peter says. Live by faith. Uh, Take God's word and you will discover his faithfulness. And you'll discover that this really is the best way to live. Well, six verses. We had to spend slightly longer there. But there is a verse for husbands will come to us now. Uh, briefly, but forcefully, Peter addresses us, Christian husbands. Uh, and notice he begins uh, with the same phrase, husbands in the same way. Uh, that is, uh, in, uh, this is what it means for men to be submissive to Christ In marriage, we too are to be those who are submissive to Christ, submissive like Christ. We're called to do his will, not to please ourselves. Uh, What does therefore submissiveness to Christ look like? Well, this is it, says Peter. Be considerate as you live with your wives, treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. If a wife is to be submissive to a husband, a husband is to be considerate towards his wife. The first part of the verse is literally, husbands, live together with your wives according to knowledge. And isn't it a common complaint by wives that we husbands just don't understand our wives? We don't listen to them. We assume we know what they think and want and we act accordingly rather than taking the time to discover, actually, uh, what is in their hearts. Uh, I've been quite public about the fact that Sarah uh, and I are doing the marriage course uh, at the moment. Uh, And if you asked me, uh, not if you'd asked Sarah, if you'd asked me uh, what I thought I didn't do too badly as a husband, uh, it may have been a short list, uh, but I would have included, well, I think I'm quite a good listener. Well, this week on the marriage course, uh, I had a nasty surprise. There were four things, uh, I think, that you were meant to do uh, to listen well to your spouse. And uh, I marked my own paper. I didn't give it to Sarah. Uh, I reckon I scored one and a half out of four, uh, which is a fail grade by any uh, standard. So the only uh, thing I can do by way of illustration at this point is to say that I need to do better. Live with your wives according to knowledge. Know them. Know them deeply. Uh, Know how they think. Take the time to actually nurture that relationship and listen. That investment of time and care and gentleness uh, is something that can never be sidestepped. How quick we are to assume uh, that we know them and know what is best. Live with your wife according to knowledge. It's the same word uh, that Peter uses at the end of his second letter uh, where he gives us this exhortation, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just as all Christians are called to grow in knowledge and understanding of the Lord Jesus, that we might walk more closely with him. Also, Christian husbands need to have a similar, parallel, lifelong commitment to growing in knowledge and understanding of our wives that we might better love and serve them also. And so, yes, it means, as the NIV puts it, be considerate, but it also means much more. Take responsibility to strengthen your marriage by deepening uh, your knowledge of your wife. Take the time and effort to know her desires and frustrations, her strengths and weaknesses, her hopes and fears. Invest the time Listen to her. Make sure there are those regular and unhurried times of private fellowship together as husband and wife. How quickly they're sacrificed uh, in the unrelentingly busy life uh, of work and family. And how is this knowledge meant to uh, be effective? Well, The deeper you know your wife and understand her real needs and desires, the more able you'll be as a husband to love her effectively. Jesus knew us gospels say he knew what was in a person he knew that man uh, and loved him we read in one of the gospel accounts he knows us he knows our needs he knows our failures he knows our sins and in love he acts upon his knowledge of us peter's just told us uh, that by his wounds you've been healed he uh, submitted himself to death in order that we might live also for we husbands peter says Uh, We must act upon what we discover, learning to live it out in sacrificial love uh, of our wives that the Lord has entrusted uh, to us. Treating our wives with respect, to use his phrase, as the weaker partner and as heirs with us of the gracious gift of life. I don't think Peter's being rude when he calls women uh, the weaker partner here. He's just being observant. Men on the whole uh, have bigger biceps. I don't think it's more than that. Uh, Peter's uh, point, far from being uh, rude or dismissive, is quite the opposite. He's saying to men, uh, don't think less of your wives because of the physical differences. Don't think your physical strength gives you any superiority in the the Lord's sight. Just because you may be physically stronger than your wives, uh, well, don't see that as any way uh, superior. They may be weaker physically, but you ought to treat them with respect. That word, it means what it says, but it also means more. Uh, He's used the word twice already uh, in the letter, and a comparison of those verses and the way the translation has it there uh, is instructive to us uh, as to how we're to treat our wives. Uh, Back in chapter 1, verse 7, this same word that's translated here, respect, uh, is translated honor. And it's the honor that uh, all believers receive from Jesus himself when the resurrection comes in chapter 2, verse 7, where it's translated precious, it refers to the way we regard, if we're Christians, the Lord Jesus himself. And when we see that, actually, uh, the word develops a certain richness uh, and depth. Uh, Peter is saying uh, to you husbands, uh, to we husbands, we're to honor our wives uh, the way we long for Christ to honor us when we see him on the last day. That's quite powerful, isn't it? Uh, we're longing for that day when we shall see Jesus, uh, if we love him and trust him, and we long for his affirmation that day when it comes. Well, that same affirmation, that same honor that we long Christ will give to us, show it now, Peter says, to men, to your wives. Or in the same way that we now uh, regard uh, Christ as precious, our Savior, our Lord. Well, so Peter says... Using the same words, as you regard Christ in all his glory and grace as precious, so regard your wives in that way. Deeply precious. Uh, So yes, respect, of course. But respect, honor, regarding us uh, precious uh, in the same way that we do our Savior. And yes, there may be uh, less physical strength, but spiritually, men and women stand side by side as equals. And in marriage, that's demonstrated in a particular way. We're heirs together of the gracious gift of life. There's no men going ahead uh, to the throne of God. Heirs together, side by side. Uh, I can't be the only Christian husband here tonight uh, who's learnt to treasure uh, the spiritual wisdom and strength of my own dear wife, uh, who is my partner as my sister in Christ, just as she is uh, my wife. In the Lord's sight, equally sons and daughters in God's family, and thus equally loved, equally precious, equally blessed, equally chosen, equally gifted in Christ. This is how we are to view our wives. The verse ends with a warning to husbands. If we fail to be considerate to our wives, if we take them for granted, if we don't do what Peter's been saying, well, then our prayers will be hindered, says Peter. I cannot mistreat our wives without undermining our relationship with the Lord. If we love the Lord, we will love our wives. If we're not loving our wives like this, well, then it calls into question our very profession of Christian faith. It's that serious. Peter is so concerned that Christian husbands live in an understanding and loving way with their wives he says just realize it will interrupt your relationship with the Lord himself if you do not take these things to heart taking the time to nurture a good marriage is God's will and it's part of what it means if we're married to follow Jesus Christ as our Lord this is God's pattern for marriage and it's about beauty and consideration beautiful wives Considerate husbands, we need the Lord's help, don't we? So let's pray. Our gracious God, we, like Abraham and Sarah, if we're married here tonight, we'll be conscious that our own marriages are not perfect, that our own hearts are sinful, that often we have fallen short as husbands and wives. We pray that, like them, we would discover that you are a faithful and gracious God. And as we put our trust again in your promises, as we submit to your will in these things, we may find fresh power to glorify Jesus in our homes. Father, please, would you give us that hope in God, whether we're married or single here this evening, trusting that in that gospel we become sons and daughters together in your family. Some of us married, some of us single, all of us, your children. And so we pray you help us uh, to encourage one another to be submissive to your son as we live our lives in this world. And we pray for your help especially as we face teaching that cuts across our own sinful hearts and cuts dramatically across the culture in which we live today. Please help us in our own behavior to commend Christ, to commend the wisdom of your word, to commend that life which we have in your Son. For Father, we ask you all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.